Kobe White finished as a nominee for Player of the Month of December. We're going to talk about the month of December that Kobe White had and how he joins Anthony Edwards in a key stat that really does say a lot about his level of play. We're going to talk about the Bulls' record at this point in the season being the same it was at the, this point of last season, but the little differences in between there of why the Bulls' record is a little bit more promising. And we're going to talk about what is Iodesumu ceiling. We're going to get to all that and more right after this. You are now tuned in to Chicago Bulls Central, your number one spot for all things Chicago Bulls, hosted by Hayes. What's going on, Bulls fans? Welcome to another episode of Chicago Bulls Central, your number one spot for everything Chicago Bulls related. I'm the host there, Hayes, but more importantly, you guys can follow the channel at Bulls Central Pod on every social media platform we happen to be on. With that being said, let's go ahead and get into this content for today. So Kobe White finished as a nominee for Player of the Month uh, for the month of January. I think I said December on the intro. For the month of January. And in 15 games in January, Kobe White averaged 22.1 points per game, 5.5 rebounds, 5.9 assists per game, and he finished that with being a nominee. He joined Anthony Edwards as the only player to have at least 35 three-point field goal attempts and 80 rebounds and 80 assists. Now, that's a specialized stat. That's almost at the level of one of those LeBron stats, but we still want to talk about it. Kobe White is balling. And anybody who does not understand that the way and the gravity that Kobe White has had in this growth, it's really been uh, substantial. When you look at it, Kobe White is the engine that has really made this Chicago Bulls team go. And had it not been for, you know, circumstances, for example, had Zach Levine stayed healthy all this season and been locked in and engaged, there's no reason to think that the Bulls record wouldn't even be better than what it, what it is. And like I've said on previous shows before, it's like the Bulls always take a step forward with something, but then something happens to make them stay, take a step back and they end up staying around that same level. Talked about, uh, you know, how like like the, the Alonzo Ball and Zach Levine getting hurt when they got hurt uh, that season. And then, you know, Zach Levine not being 100% at points last season and finishing the season really strong. Iota Sumo kind of taking a step back that season. And unfortunately, this season that AK and Eversley or AK and Billy Donovan talked about the importance of having one of the young players really step up this season and how that could raise the ceiling of the Chicago Bulls team. And Kobe White has done that. The problem is, is that with Zach Levine being out as much as he has been and, and a combination of Zach, DeMar, and Vooch all shooting some of their worst career numbers, then we really didn't take that necessary step. Had we like, if this development for Kobe would have happened last season, we're talking about a team that could have finished way stronger than what they did, but it's good that Kobe White had it had this growth when he did. because. When you look at it, Kobe White, Kobe White right now uh, is the player that the Bulls are going to have to build around going forward until they either get somebody better or somebody else extends to even higher level. But it's more than just the stats, right? The stats always, are, well, not always, but the stats do paint an amazing picture for Kobe White. He's shooting the highest true shooting percentage of his career while he's having the second highest usage of his career. The only time his usage rate was higher was his rookie year. And we remember that was at points, especially towards the end of that season. That was a weird up and down season. but. The, the way that Kobe White's usage has gone up and the efficiency has gone up with it, it's been astronomical. Like, it's great to have that usually a player's usage uh, usage kind of makes that efficiency come down a little bit. Kobe White has found that way to go above and beyond that. And then when you look at the decision-making Kobe's making on the floor, the passing that he's really bringing, uh, he's starting to have that ability to get to the free throw line more frequently. Kobe White's been balling out this season and it's been great to see but the next step, everybody's kind of now looking at the Chicago Bulls and wondering, what is the next step for this team? Where's the next place they're going to go with the development? Especially after hearing now that the Bulls are probably not going to be making any type of trades at the trade deadline again. 
Bulls fans should not be surprised by that. That's not a surprising factor at all it, when it comes down to it. Uh, you know, it is it is what it is, right? And, you know, uh, the, the trade deadline can always get more interesting. We'll see if the Bulls end up pulling the trigger on something. But Kobe White, has his growth has been so important for the Bulls this season. And I just I love to see the way that he's been balling out. It's 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 just been great to see. Kobe White has been balling and uh and and to see the young fella, like he still has things that he needs to work on. And you know, one thing with Kobe is that he's a gym rat and he's really gonna work in the offseason. Billy Donovan has talked about how, you know, how he wants to perform and things like that. Uh Kobe gotta gotta figure out now what defense is keen in on him. How does he stay productive? How does he stay doing things like that? Getting to the free throw line a little bit more uh, frequently will help him as well. Uh, that finishing uh, around the rim, being able to dish it off to, to big men, identifying when you have the mismatch a little bit better. But those are just nitpick things with Kobe. Kobe has really turned this season around. And while he's only averaging 19 points per game on the season, listen, his 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 month over month numbers like they they just say a, a different. Averaging 22.1 points per game last month in January. In December, 22.6 points per game. It's really the beginning of the season where the team wasn't playing the best, right? Month of October, only four games there. He averaged 9.8 points per game. And then that month of November where it was really a struggle for the Bulls. They only won two games in the whole month of November, I believe. Uh, three games, sorry. We won four games in the month of November. Uh, but he averaged uh, 15.3 points per game. But since then, it's he's been rocking and rolling. So, you know, those doubts around the beginning of the season, if Kobe was going to be able to keep this up consistently, I think he's done a really good job at, at eliminating those questions. And now, how do you build off of this? How do you build? Now, how do you continue to grow with defenses keying in on you? And if Zach Levine is moved, whether it be this trade deadline or in the offseason, that's going to, you know, defenses, you are now the de facto number one. And God forbid if they move DeMar as well as he ends up leaving in free agency, those adjustments are going to be really key for Kobe White. But it's really good to see, and I like that Kobe White has kind of busted up that narrative of, oh, if you're not a star by year three, you're not going to be one. Kobe White's really having a star-level impact for the Bulls. The biggest thing is if he's going to be a legitimate star and looked at as that way in the league, now you have to build upon it and you have to keep it going outside of the season, and we'll see if Kobe White can do that. Now, with that said, uh, the Bulls right now have the record of 23-26. and 26. We sit at three games below 500, and that's a, that's a, considering how the season started off for the Bulls, I know that's that we don't want to sing home about it or anything like that, but it's it's solid, right? The Bulls having a over sixty percent win percentage. We talked about it in yesterday's episode. They're one of only three teams in the NBA to have that over the stretch of times that, that they've had it. But the Bulls still, you know, twenty three and twenty six, not a great record, and it, it's added a little bit more confusion to it when you look at it. That's the same exact record that the Chicago Bulls had at this point last season. The same exact record, not not uh, similar, not anything like that. It's the same exact record that they had at that point last season. So you, you got to look at it and ask the questions of, okay, well, with that said, how do we how do we now fix that? We so that that's that's one of the bigger questions. In that is, you know, where we sit right now, what we do. We have an offensive rating of 113 this season, um, which ranks 23rd in the NBA. When you look at last season, we had oh, when we had the same record. We had an a, a offensive rating of 112.7, which ranked 22nd, again, after 49 games. Defensively, the Chicago Bulls have taken a step back as well. We have a rating of 114.7 this season, which is 14th. And last season, through 49 games, we had a defensive uh, rating of 112.8, which was good enough for 13th place in the NBA. So while the Bulls, on paper, are playing better, right, and better than we started off the season, it were around the same for the most part of where we were last season per the impact. Now. 
when you factor in the color to that, Zach Levine's missed most of the season. Torrey Craig's been out for a large part this season, right? DeMar's been in, um, been been out at times. Patrick Williams has been in and out of the the the, the lineup because of injury, stuff like that. So it, it it paints a picture of like the Bulls have improved, but that improvement basically when when you added in the number of, of players that we've been missing keeps us around the same time. And the Bulls really did not take advantage of an easier schedule in January. We talked about it. The Bulls had like was it like the fourth easiest schedule in the month of this, of January, and in the month of February we have the eighth toughest schedule. And so this is going to be an important stretch for the Bulls because as we've seen, the Bulls haven't always played the best in playoff atmosphere type games and it's left much to be desired when they do that and so right now the Bulls are currently the ninth seed in the Eastern Conference we have a two-game lead over the Atlanta Hawks which sits at number 10 and we're two and a half games back of the Orlando Magic that sit currently at the number eight seed so the Bulls have some movement that they could definitely make we understand that we know that but it all comes down to coaching execution Defense limiting turnovers, and this Bulls team, if they really want to make this run, or just, I, I, and I said it before, like stati- statistically, they're not out of the run of, of possibly the seventh or sixth seed. They're not, and if those teams start taking steps down, you look at the uh, the Miami Heat; they're three and seven in their last ten. The Indiana Pacers are four and six in their last ten. I just look at, I think those teams are going to be much better. They've both made additions. Those additions haven't all the way acclimated yet. The Pacers just got Halliburton back not too long ago, so. I think that's going to kind of push that team, those teams to have create more separation between the Bulls and the Magic. But I do think the Bulls can catch the eight seed. They're still going to be in the play-in tournament. So take that for what you will. But when it comes down to it, the Bulls have to lock in. And so whether Zach Levine ends up staying on the team or not, a Zach Levine that comes in, that he's engaged, that he's helping compete, that he's fighting, it can really help the Bulls extend their window a little bit more considerably. But it's it's will they, right? That's that's the, always the biggest question with the Bulls. We can talk about all these woulda, coulda, shoulda's possibilities when it comes down to it. But it, I, <sighs> the Bulls have left much to be desired in the way that they've beaten even some of the bad teams. And I think that's the one thing that makes it tough to really bet on this team kind of ex- exceeding expectations for the rest of the way because we experience the thrill of March Madness. If you're still out on the hunt for a sports book to call home, Bet the nonstop action of March Madness with my bookie. Enter the bracket contest for a chance to take home prizes up to $25,000 or pick from a huge selection of straight bets, props, and odds boosts. Whatever your style, my bookie makes it easy to play your way and get paid. Sign up now and take advantage of our generous welcome offer to score a massive first deposit bonus up to $1,000. All you have to do is claim the code BULLCENTRAL. But the fun doesn't stop there. Get up to the minute odds, free bets, and expert predictions to help you decide who to put your money on. The best part about my bookie, you can bet on anything, anytime, from anywhere. Use the promo code BULLCENTRAL to secure your limited time welcome bonus today. Just haven't seen them, whether it be coaching, whether it be sometimes matchup issues, whether it be depth issues, whatever it is, execution, getting turnovers, the bad third quarters that the Bulls have right now, one of the worst third quarter teams in the NBA. Those things paint a picture that makes Bulls fans more concerned about how they're, they're legitimately going to be able to finish this season, right? So I, 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 the eighth tough, toughest schedule in the league, I look at it this way. This is going to be the trial by fire for the Bulls for the rest of the way. March is considerably easier. March is also a short part of the, part of the season. We only got 33 games left this season, which is crazy to think. 33 games is all we have left this season. We are well over the halfway part of the season. When we play tomorrow, that's our 50th game of the season. So this month of March is really going to be important for the Bulls if they want to 
either stay even stay where they are because listen, the Atlanta Hawks, we'll see if they make big trades or anything to really change that team up. The Bulls may have the the ninth seed in in the Eastern Conference. That's cool. That's where they're going to be. We're going to be a playing team. Not too worried about the the, the pros- possibilities of that. I think we are going to be a playing team at least. But if this team wants to really show and prove that they can compete with those other teams, these games in the month of February are going to be hugely important for the Bulls. Uh, so we got 12 games in the month of February. Those 12 games are really could be what either the Bulls create a little bit more separation or close the gap. We started off with Sacramento tomorrow. And then next week we got Minnesota, Memphis, who Memphis may be easier or whatever, but Orlando. And then we got Atlanta, Cleveland, Boston, New Orleans, Detroit, Detroit. Eh. But so the, the Bulls have a a fairly tough schedule. And the fact that, uh, that we'll have a little bit more rest between those, almost every game has a has a day or two days of rest between it. Can the Bulls take advantage of that? Of course, we got the All-Star break as well. We play February 14th, which is Valentine's Day. And we, then we don't play again for another eight days until February 22nd. How the Bulls make their move over that time is really going to be important. And then moving into March, got an easier schedule in March. And then we only play like a handful of games in April. So this February stretch, with it being the eighth toughest uh, schedule in the NBA, I'm really looking at how the Bulls perform over this to really tell us how much how much faith we should have in them going towards the end of the season. And a trade or anything could definitely change that. We'll see. We're, we're six days away from the trade deadline. Not expected to do much, but hey, we'll see. We'll see if the Bulls end up making something. But with that said, I want to move on to the last topic for today. I want to talk a little bit about Io DeSumo. Io DeSumo has really had a lot of growth this season. It passes the eye test. The stat sheet doesn't really scream out at you because of Io DeSumo's role. There are going to be times where he's scoring where he's not. Through, 40, through uh, the 49 games so far this season, Io DeSumo has a true shooting percentage of 58%. 58%. And so that is really good, especially for a bench player, having the way that he's been able to perform over that amount of time. Um, and he's increased his shooting in, in some uh, key areas that definitely have helped him and the Bulls a lot. And so we, I, I like the, I want to talk also about that growth of Io DeSumo. When you look at it, he, he's right now matching his highest uh, true shooting percentage, which was his rookie year. He took a step back his sophomore year at 56.7%, which is still not terrible, right? It's not terrible. But again, the eye test, we saw the way that Io DeSumo, when you look at the way that he improved on left corner threes and above the break three-point attempts, so far this season, he's shooting 63.8%. And then when you look at the restricted area, right? Uh, 116 restricted area field goal attempts, and he's shooting 63.8% in that as well. Now, uh, uh, the left corner threes, 87% he's shooting that at, and 39% at above the break threes. So again, right now, uh, Io DeSumo is really playing well on the offensive side. Taking those above the break threes are helping. Hitting those corner threes at a better percentage is also helping Io DeSumo. And then he's finishing around the rim at a near elite level coming off the bench for the Chicago Bulls, or even starting. And then the defensive impact. Iota Sumo's defensive uh, impact right now, 64% of the time he's guarding guards in the NBA. And those guards, uh, in 32.2%, he's guarding forwards. When he plays defense against guards, they are shooting 40.2%. The league average is 45. So he's playing an elite brand of defense on guards. When you look at forwards, 45%, even though he's only guarding forwards 32% of the time, through the 49 games this season, he's, he's uh, holding them to a mark of 53%. When you look at Alice Caruso, who is elite in that, it's 45.5% through those games of the season. So, Ayo is guarding guards. He's guarding forwards well. He's playing that solid defense. There's no reason to think that he's not going to be able to get that percentage down even when guards are shooting him. The 53% is solid, right? It's not great. It's solid. 
but he's not guarding a lot of wings in that as well. He's usually guarding guards. Io DeSumo stepped up offensively. He stepped up defensively. And just the decision-making. Last season, so often, we talked about Io DeSumo and his inability to finish around the rim consistently. He's finishing now around the rim. When he gets out in transition, he's making the right decisions, whether it's dish it off, whether it's try to finish uh, himself. He's doing those things at a great level. Io DeSumo has not had the step, that, that, that the leap that Kobe White has taken, but Io DeSumo is also rounded out so nicely for the Chicago Bulls, and he's doing it both coming off the bench and starting. Now starting because he's not doing those ball handling uh, duties. He's really playing off ball basically 100% of the time. Either Kobe, Alice Caruso, or DeMar DeRozan are doing the primary ball handling when Io DeSumo's on the floor, but Io is still having an impact when he's in that starting lineup, and it's not like last season where it was kind of questionable when he, when he, when he was playing uh, coming off the bench. So, I mean, when he was starting, Io DeSumo is having a great season. As a starter so far this season, he's averaging 10.6 points per game. He's doing that on 49% shooting from the field and 38% shooting from three-point range. And get this, he's taking almost four three-pointers a game and hitting that at a 38% clip. He's also chipping in 3.7 rebounds, uh, 3.1 assists, one and a half blocks, one and a half steals. Io DeSumo is balling out right now for the Chicago Bulls. And he's hit and he's doing this at, a, at the right time as well. Some people were down on Io DeSumo's ceiling after how he performed last season. Understandably so. Not knocking anybody for that. But Io DeSumo's come in. He's built off what he, what he did when he, when he was at his best in that rookie year. And he's now excelling in that and taking it even further as Io DeSumo. You got to love the way that Io DeSumo's performing right now, man. He, he's, he's playing an extremely good brand of basketball. He's impacting winning. In the month of January so far, he's averaging 13 points per game on 53% shooting from the field. And, and that's amazing. 46% shoot from three-point range. He's doing that in the month of January. So that's really good production. And if he can keep that up in the month of February, we're talking about a player that is not going to be in consideration. But those are numbers that you look at, and those are great numbers coming off the bench. And in, as a starter, of course, he's been averaging close to 35 minutes per game because of the number of injuries that we have. It's going to be interesting to see. Now that Javon Carter is clearly out of the rotation and should be out of the rotation as we get more players back, now that those minutes can almost exclusively go to Io DeSumo, how he continues to operate off the bench. I would not be surprised if Io DeSumo comes off the bench next season, if we're talking about him as potentially being a, a six-man-of-the-year candidate with how he's been able to perform coming off the bench so far. But let me know what you guys think on that. I love Io. Where do you currently have Io DeSumo ceiling at right now for the Chicago Bulls going forward for the rest of his career? Before we go, I know I said that was the last topic. I just want to talk about one quick thing. And I want to talk about this from the point of this is why you don't listen to national media and especially odds makers. The Chicago Bulls right now are listed as the favorite to land Bam Adebayo if the Miami Heat deal him. In what world, first of all, are the Miami Heat going to deal Bam Adebayo? Secondly, in what world are the Chicago Bulls going to be the favorites when they're probably not going to offer any any draft compensation? What, what are we talking about? And that, that I, I wanted to talk about that only from the standpoint of all this nonsense around the trade deadline is literally just writers looking for articles and to drum up some attention on their bullshit-ass articles because at this point in the season, they're between now and the All-Star break, they don't know what the hell to write about. The, the Bulls being the favorite to land Bam out of bio? Listen, don't get me wrong. If the Bulls were to make a move and swing a move for Bam, I'm not going to shit on it at all. I would absolutely love it. But does that even seem like something that the Bulls would do? Now, again, somebody could say that, hey, well, we would have said that had we heard that the Bulls were trading for Nikola Vucevic back in 2021. Touche, motherfucker. Touche. But with that even said, it's like, I just, where this team currently sets at, 
unless the Bulls are like dealing half their roster. And even then, like they just added Terry Rozier. I don't see them trying to give up Bam. I don't even know why this is a statistic. Why are we even talking about the Heat possibly moving on from Bam out of bio? What, what, what are we doing? What are we doing? I, I don't understand it, but hey, it is what it is. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure you guys are following the show at Bull Central Pod. You can send us any feedback, questions, comments, concerns, bullcentralpod at gmail.com. Lastly, if you want to leave a text message and or voicemail for the mailbag, the number to do so is 773-270-2799. We are the number one spot for everything Chicago Bulls related. Thanks to you guys. Just past 17,000 subscribers. We're on our way to episode 1,000. We are, uh, what, 29 days now away from hitting episode one. Basically, March 1st would be 1,000 straight days of uh, Chicago Bulls Central. So I appreciate you guys for everything and that you've added and contributed to this journey, man. But, hey, leave those voicemails, 773-270-2799 for the number one spot for everything Chicago Bulls related, man. And I'll see you guys the next time I feel like making a video. Go Bulls. Love you guys. See Red, y'all. Peace. This has been a presentation of the Break Break Media.